Would you give your mum, dad, aunt or that uncle who hugged your partner a little too long free access to your phone? Oh no! Oh my god, it's, it's a really long video! Ew! In Dave's brand new YouTube original, Get Off My Phone, we've got six comedians to give their phones over to a relative with total freedom to read messages, DMs, photos and browser history. What's your social history? Sorry? What to do? Tips for relief. The rules are simple. Their relative can read anything they want and even make calls from the comedian's phone. What is this? What is I know what this one is. That, that looks really okay. bad. Starring Tanya Moore, Anya Magliano, Finlay Christie, Travis J with his mum Angie Lamar, Hayley Morris, Grace Campbell and dad Alistair Campbell. Slightly sexually compromising <laughs> Divulging their deepest digital secrets. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Get off my phone. A Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Conversations Against Living Miserably, a podcast where we try to find solace in a world where our brains are usually against us. My name is Aaron Gillis, and each week I'll be joined by... Me, Lauren Patterson. Each week we chat to a different guest about how they try and live their life without misery. But we try and do it with a little bit of laughter, because otherwise that sounds like a pretty gloomy idea for a podcast. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Dave, the TV channel, and Calm, the campaign against living miserably. Hello. If you're thinking, oh, Aaron sounds a bit different today. Not sure whether I should mention that. Mention away. It's not Aaron. It's me. I'm doing the intro today as a little little treat for you. What a nice surprise. Aaron's in Edinburgh at the festival and he tried to find a quiet place, but anybody who's been to Edinburgh in August will know there is no quiet place. Even your thoughts are loud. Welcome to episode 14 of this strange podcast where we talk to comedians about how they try to find solace in a world where our brains are usually against us. And on the subject of strange, obviously I've not recorded one of these intros before and Aaron told me it's like a top tip to do it with a blanket over my head. And I don't know if you're having me on, Aaron, but I've done it. Got a blanket on my head. Anyone walking past my flat right now probably won't question it because it's definitely something I would do. This week's guest is Richard Gadd. Richard is an actor, writer and comedian who, in 2016, won the Edinburgh Comedy Award for his show Monkey See, Monkey Do. Richard is performing his new show, Baby Reindeer, at this year's Edinburgh Fringe Festival, so check that out if you're up there at all this year, but be quick, it is getting incredible reviews already, selling out, absolute golden ticket, get a ticket now, if you want one, now, post the podcast, go, go! (laughs) This week we speak to Richard about life after trauma, coping mechanisms and monkey memorabilia. Yep, 
you heard that right. This was the second episode me and Aaron recorded, by the way. So if we both sound panicked at all, it's because we have anxiety and didn't want to fuck it up. Also, just to give you a little heads up, a little warning, uh, we do mention sexual assault at some point in this episode. It's not very heavily discussed, but it is mentioned. So if that's something that might cause you any extra upset, any extra anxiety, you might want to maybe skip that bit or just just make sure you're aware that it's possibly coming. Uh, We don't want to upset anybody, so just thought we'd flag up that it is there. I know we say this every week and I'm very sorry, but if you can like, subscribe, review, all that jazz, the more people that listen to this, the more money we all raise for calm. Anyway, that's enough of me bothering you and it's getting genuinely really hot under this blanket. How do you do this, Aaron? I am melting. Uh, Here's Edinburgh Award winner, Richard Gadd, Edinburgh Award nominee, Lauren Patterson and Edinburgh pub enthusiast, Aaron Gillies. When was the last time you felt calm? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because I because you actually asked me that downstairs in, yeah. the, in, in the in the reception, and I I have genuinely since been asked that question. I know I, I don't I, I obviously starting off this podcast on quite a, a bleak <laughs> note, but I but being calm is something I find incredibly incredibly difficult to do. Mm-hmm. But I suffer from incredible insomnia, and the time when I in which I I'm supposed to be relaxing most at night to try and like sort of get off to sleep is is when I'm sort of the least calm. And I, I and I, I genuinely have tried everything. I've tried meditation, and you know the, these these techniques sort of work for a while, and then you sort of find yourself outthinking them almost. Definitely. Uh, do, do you see what I mean? And then and then even therapy itself, I find myself sort of outthinking that uh-huh. and almost overthinking overthinking the thinking which I was trying to unpick in the therapy. I know that makes sense. Uh, even like you get these sort of, what's it called when you have those sort of psychostimulant uh, videos now you get online. Uh, do you see they're supposed to calm you down? Videos of people folding towels and stuff like that. Oh, uh, yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Mm. I, there is actually a word for it. Is, you know when you feel those tingles going up the back of your a, neck? Not right? ASM. Something like that. That's the it's, one where they like whisper and stuff, isn't it? And do really calming Ooh. things. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of like... You know, like when you get, it's supposed to give you the same sensation like when you get a massage. Uh You know, and you sometimes feel those shivers, those kind of quite nice shivers going up the back of your neck, in the back of your head. But I've generally watched them for hours and thought, when are are those shivers coming? (laughs) So in terms of the last time I felt calm, I don't think I, I, this is such a, I I don't want to sound bleak, you know, but I've I've learned to to, to live my life through a a constant state of (laughs) non-calm. I get that. I'm more suspicious when I am calm because I'm like, what have I forgotten? What's about to go wrong? Yeah. I'm so used to like you just being in that constant, like not necessarily always on the back foot, but always ready for something to go wrong. Yeah. But if I ever do feel calm, I'm like, well, I've fucked up somewhere. Like this is not how I should be feeling. No. Well, that's exactly it. You always give yourself reasons not to be calm if you feel even like a, a temporary sort of burst of it. <laughs> like, you know, when you have a comfortable stare. Have you ever ever come to is that a thing? I really I've never had a comfortable stare. Do you know when you sort of just you sort of space out at something, you're like, ah, oh, all I'm doing now is looking at something. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Do you ever get that? Is that stare. it's like a comfortable stare, you just sort of stare and then you're like, Oh, I'm I feel I'm just staring. That's all I'm doing. I'm just I'm just a human being staring. And then you're like, This is nice. But then even then you're like, Oh no, no, yeah. oh, something's something I, I it's it's just like a it's anxiety, isn't it? It's it's it can it can sort of override most things. Oh, completely! It just sticks with you in every single thing. Yeah. I, I find it 
impossible to relax. I think I've been calm twice in my life. Once I was on my honeymoon when I was reading a book in the pool and I was so relaxed mm-hmm. I fell asleep, fell into the pool and almost drowned. And <laughs> the second one was when I was getting a massage and it was really nice and relaxing and for some reason I just shouted, that's the badger, really loudly <laughs> and I've not had a massage since because I can't bring myself to do it. Just so, in case you come up, so, so you've transplanted the anxiety of exactly. saying something new. Yeah, I totally get that. It's it's sort of now is the, the way of dealing with it is just to sort of try and find ways of channeling and the anxiety into stuff. So do you channel your anxieties into your work then? Or do you channel it yeah, into absolutely. different parts of your life? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I channel it into everything, even like conversations, like especially my work. I think a lot of my work comes from that place of sort of mental health, sort of introspectively looking at anxiety and trying to make it funny or trying to make it resonant in some way to an audience. Even my club set, as well as my show, seem to sort of revolve now around that sort of mental health sort of mm-hmm. conflicted, thing and even when I sit down and write I think it always comes back to that because you have to write from the best art as well from a place of experience so I think it always seems to 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 revolve in in some way around that Mm. whether knowingly or unknowingly it always seems to come from that that place and that helps uh also just I'm I'm one of those people that likes to talk feelings out a lot Uh you know and I think I just I guess spew my Am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I won't now because now that I've said, <laughs> said that, I, won't, I, I managed to stop myself. But I, I, I you know, I spew my my stuff to the world, and I, I have, you know, I, I'm very honest with things I'm worried about, and I think I maybe even too much. Just I'm honest about that, and just say that to yeah. people. But I did your writing workshop, and I don't think if I'd done your writing workshop, I wouldn't have written the show I wrote because I totally got that from your workshop about just like getting that story on the page and writing stuff down. I remember coming out of it and being like, oh, I feel like I can approach things a bit differently. And then I went into that, the the show I wrote with a much more like, kind of not like a not give a fuck, but I was like, I'm not going to be worried about keeping anything in. I'm just going to get yeah. it all out. And if at any point it's too much, I'll rein it back in. Oh, I did not rein it in. No. <laughs> no, I let it all out. So thank you for my Edinburgh nomination. Was that, was that <laughs> I, I like to think I'm almost solely responsible yeah. for, for your Edinburgh nomination. Well, thanks very much for coming. I remember you were brilliant that day. I always remember that was like a, a workshop. Uh, when was that? That was like 2017? January 2017, yeah. January 2017, yeah. I always remember thinking, like, the Soho wanted me to do it, and I remember thinking no one was going to turn. It was <laughs> embarrassing, but yeah, it was a good day. I remember you were brilliant at that. You you talked about your skin. My skin, yeah. yeah. I'd never spoke about my skin before, and then it's just when you were all on about it, and my skin's the biggest source of my anxiety, and I was writing a show about anxiety, and it was only when you were on about being honest, I was like, oh, how can I write an honest show if I'm not addressing... The most, the thing that I'm most like worried about, and I was like, no one's gonna give a shit about listening to a story about my itchy skin. And they were, they were. I remember yeah. the payoff at the end because it was a guy that had commented on it was yeah, the thing, yeah. and I remember the payoff was like, oh, I still fucked him. Yeah. The, I remember, that was really funny. I thought that was brilliant. That was a brilliant show and a brilliant uh, routine. I always often think that with writing, like you can almost see when a comedian is sort of not writing as themselves almost, and I think mm. you can get very far in that. You can get, you could have exemplary sort of writers but there's always that sort of missing divide where you really I think like if you look at like the Richard Pryors and I mean so many any really comedian who's made it onto this massive sort of who's been a cultural influencer in a way uh-huh. it's it's like you you know who they are when they speak and I think that's that's quite important and I think a lot of comedians starting out do forget 
that that they 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 sort of like well I'll, I'll, I I want to be like this comedian I want to be like Stuart uh, Lee so I'm going to write like him uh-huh. or I'm want to be a fantastic joke writer or anecdotalist so I'm going to just write great jokes and anecdotes but they forget that the the real true comedians who sort of who who manage to separate themselves from the rest do do have their own voice and do know who they are fundamentally and I think mm-hmm. I think to be a good comedian you need to constantly search to answer that question has it become easier for you to talk about things like mental health and men's mental health since you did monkey see monkey do or were you quite like open before it as well it's probably become easier for sure I mean monkey see monkey do also uh, was 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 getting a massive secret off my chest that I didn't share with anyone uh-huh. really uh, uh, and for those listening uh, that was that. That was that. I I have been sexually abused, and I think a lot of my uh, idiosyncrasies and 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 anxieties were, stemmed from and were certainly exacerbated by that incident, and that was really holding me back. And and all these issues of masculinity, and felt like it, it sort of taken away uh, some part of 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 who I was as a man. And I think that 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 I'm burning myself of that secret on on such a, a big scale as like a live show oh, with definitely. a new audience every night led to to a massive sense of peace with, with it and within myself I, I used to not be able to talk i not used to be able to even say those words and without my hand shaking and you know i think my mom was the only person to know for about my mom my best friend for about two years and every time i'd i'd i'd, I'd speak about it i would feel like i was going to throw up and 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 now i can i can speak about it much much better it's, it's still a, an ongoing process but i think because of a lot of the fact that my mental health problems stemmed from that it was massively helpful in terms of finding that piece yeah. and pushing towards that. Was there a point where it, not necessarily where the weight lifted, or was it like when that month was over? Was it kind of like, yeah. oh, there was like done it? it. <laughs> yeah, it was sort of like it was. Yeah, uh, uh, I mean, I mean, I, I might get emotional saying this, but uh, but but I, uh, I think the whole the whole month really. But but I think when I won the award, I oh. think like there was the sense that I was always worried that. That it had broken me, what I'd been through. Do you uh-huh. see what I mean? It was always more than an award to me because it was a symbol of saying to the person, "You tried to break me and you didn't." I think when that cheer went up, I mean, I didn't even hear it. Like I didn't even hear that it was my name that Sam Sam Simmons had read out. Yes. I just there was just a scream and people were like jumping all over me, and my parents were there and everything. And I just remember being overcome with this, almost like my brain was filled mm-hmm. with serotonin, like this natural sort of. Just like I felt like my brain just click into this like weird place, and and it was always more than an award to me. It was always more than a moment to me. It was uh, a symbol that I had managed to get my strength back. And uh, I don't know. I think that moment there was almost like this euphoria that my brain had never felt in my life before. And I think that was that was a moment where I realised that I I was getting through this. Do you yeah. see what I mean? Sorry to get a... No. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, there's fault. nothing like an Edinburgh Comedy Award to be like, yeah, actually, <laughs> yeah, OK. <laughs> uh, every time I get dark, I should be... And then I left Tesco. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so so every time I get too bleak, I'll try and do a pullback reveal. <laughs> yeah, bring us back. Love it. <laughs> but do you feel that kind of you wished when you were, like, going through this without a voice that there was been someone out there that was speaking the way that you were speaking during your show? I think, I think so. I think the Me Too movement actually weirdly happened after mm-hmm. Monkey See, mm-hmm. Monkey Do. Monkey See, Monkey Do was very much before it. It was sort of odd that it all, the conversation around sexual abuse and the, the sort of intricacies and no means no and the, sort of the society starting to understand that it's it's more than just like some figure in an alleyway with this hood up, you mm-hmm. know, pinning you down sort of thing. That all happened afterwards. I would say that I felt extremely 
lonely in in terms of men talking about it. You know, uh, Terry Crews, for example, is I've, I don't know much about Terry Crews, <laughs> but but I was I thought it was very great what he did, yep. and I'm sure that oh, would have yeah. helped me. You know, knowing that there was someone out there who who wasn't ashamed like he was, but I. I don't think there was many people, and and e- even if there was, it was sort of it always was pushed to the background. It was never people like flying the flag. It was like you know I know Richard Pryor suffered from it, but but it would be in his routines or in interviews or in like the rumor mill. It was never he never flew the flag of it, and 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 I I can't really pinpoint too much that there were there were that many men sort of saying, oh I've been through this and it's really messed me up and it's damaged what I perceive to be a man. Well, that's what I felt even watching it. I was like I haven't seen anybody do something like this before and I think that's what resonated with a lot of people being like even though that you might have been like one of the first that you've then helped so many people along the way to be like oh like you say oh I do have a voice like there is there is someone who's been through this as well and I was like I loved it just the the honesty and the bravery of it all I was like that's what we need more of. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you did monkey say monkey do, and so the the monkey was basically like your like depression and anxiety, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. That affected how you feel about monkeys. Well, I sort of <laughs> feel very fond about monkeys now. Yeah. Actually, I sort of find them quite cute creatures, apart from the one that attacked that order. Anyway, that's I won't. <laughs> that that was that stayed with me. Yeah, that that that. But apart from that one, because I think because of the show, and and what happened with the show, it seems like all 
my friends and family seem to think, well, we, I'm a hard person to buy for. So oh. they'll just get me like a cup with a monkey on it. <laughs> or like, uh, just got monkey memorabilia <laughs> all monkey, over your yeah, house. I do have like monkey memorabilia. I think people just say, and I do love monkeys now in a way. But you kind of um, wishing you'd called the show like Mercedes Benz. Yes, yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I should next time. Yeah. I like the monkey better than like a dog, though. You know, everyone calls it the black dog. That was the I Churchill think, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the Susan Cole, so much better. Susan Coleman calls hers the anxiety crab. So it's just like lots of comedians coming up with different animals. Yes, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well shotgun the monkey, everyone. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've never seen a depressed dog. Yeah, so oh, you haven't lived. I, maybe I just associate with good dogs, Aaron. <laughs> what was what was Churchill's? What was his? So he's just the black dog. Was that just the way he saw it? I think so. Yeah, just like the black, black dog, dog just greets him, greets him every morning, sort of thing. Then when he wakes mm. up, it's quite a nice metaphor. It is quite a nice metaphor. See, I like dogs too much. I'm like, oh, yeah, dogs are like, really. I yeah. don't want to associate my depression with something I love so much. Yeah, cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. shit cat. Just, That's what yeah. mine is. Yep. Shit cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I cried so hard that I've never felt a cat's tongue. Like, why would you? Why would you? I where's don't, this going? I didn't it, have it's, just the, it's just the velvety, like, the tongue, like the hard tongue. Yeah, the tongues are so It's like sandpaper. Scratchy. Yeah. yeah. And my boyfriend's has got a cat at his mom's house and she licked me. And, like, because I'm quite, a, like, what we were saying before, I'm always on that state of panic. I just was I must have sobbed for about half an hour just because she had a rough tongue. And I was like, oh, <laughs> mate, you need to... Up those anxiety meds. <laughs> that, that could be your sort of metaphor, the cat's tongue. The cat's yes, tongue. there you go. The cat's tongue How is How are you back. feeling today, Lauren? Like a cat's tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Rough and disappointing. Yeah. Do you find it helps, though, to kind of, um, I don't know, maybe personify is the wrong word, but um, to give it that kind of embodiment of a character or... To I think, talk I th- about these things. I think it helps remove it from you, uh, visualize it as an entity that's separate, uh, mm-hmm. so you don't think that it is just you. And and no, I think it, anything that helps you sort of realize that that a lot of anxiety comes from a, a place that, that 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 sometimes seems to transcend the rationale of a situation. Uh, I think any time you can find to visualize it is a good way of calming you down. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of, the, I, I find it almost amazing how I can transplant the smallest things on, you know, almost every meeting I have. I'm sure I'll do it with this part. I'll go home and I'll be like, oh, did I say that right? Did I say, do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I, even just like a, in the room, you almost just decide who likes you and who doesn't, mm-hmm. even though you haven't Definitely. even spoken to any of them. Yep. Um, and uh, I think in those situations, it's important to be like, no, that's that. That's where that comes from. Mm-hmm. And I think that sort of separate entity thing helps in that respect. Oh, Completely, definitely. Nicely. One of the things a therapist once told me was that you just need to sit with your thoughts after the the fact. So kind of, I'm I'm very much the same as you. I'll go into a meeting. I assume that everyone in that meeting hates me, or like on a street, assume that everyone on that street hates me, or that <laughs> like I, like I'll do a. Um, I'll probably do the exact same thing where I'll get home and I'll go, right, what did I say wrong on the podcast? I literally emailed that to you after the pilot and I was like, (sighs) was I shit? (laughs) (laughs) But it is, you just have to kind of then have those thoughts, sit with them and go, right, this is me being overthinking this, 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 this. I'm sure it'll be fine. Because I always expect, it's either, I've got two ways of thinking about things. It's either the absolute shittest scenario or the absolute best scenario. And yeah. if I don't if I don't meet that absolute best scenario, I always assume it's the, it's the other it's one. The other one. Yes, when yes. You, and you never consider the middle ground that is usually going to be 
pretty okay. Like, if you can live with pretty okay, mm-hmm. you're doing absolutely fine. Yeah, yeah. It's when you start getting down there. But you never end up in that section, ever. Yeah. It's just you're not making it to the absolute perfection that you've built up in your mind yeah. that you expect yourself yeah. to do. And does and does that ever exist? Exactly. I don't think that's so. That's true. Oh, that's a deep one. Yeah. Well, it's just like <laughs> life comes with such challenges. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you can't... We, we all will experience death of close people in our lives. Mm-hmm. I just think that unending positivity is a is a dangerous sort of concept. That yeah. sort of, you know, that these this sort of Osho Mayarishi sort of you can achieve divine consciousness if you work for it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think I think it's easy for them to say because they sort of managed to find a way to to exist outside of society and in these sort of sim, sort of quite simple uh, ways yeah. and and obviously financially very secure ways. <laughs> I think if you can take yourself out of all the society's ills and problems, then fine. But but for the majority of people who who just <clears throat> have to get on with their lives. I think it's very hard to achieve achieve yeah. that. Mm. Like, and I think it's a dangerous thing to to say to to people that that it is something that you can achieve. Like this, this sort of divine happiness, because because yeah. life is sometimes moving from one crisis yeah. to the next in a way. How do you combat like sort of bad mental health on days where you have to go out and perform and make people laugh? Like, oh, it's weird. I, I, you, 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 it's sort of this. I've got a. I sort of have a never say quit attitude, which which I sometimes don't know whether it's a healthy thing or a not healthy thing in terms of just like never letting it beat you. But sometimes there are days where you just sort of want to just shy away. Yeah. Um, so I just keep going. And usually the thing with a gig, which I quite like, is it always gives you a little burst of adrenaline. adrenaline. And it makes you feel a different way, no matter what, no matter uh-huh. what. Like, And I think adrenaline is... Is a is is a massive high in a lot of ways. And Nature's usually, antidepressants. Yes, yes. Well, exactly. And I, uh, I think sometimes I've done gigs where I've been backstage, being like, I want to do anything else in the world right now. Totally. Uh, and I'm like, I'm thinking like, you know, and, and my brain, and almost every gig I do, they're gonna hate me. This is gonna be painful. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in Reading tonight doing a gig, <laughs> and I'm already thinking they're gonna hate me. It's gonna be painful. <laughs> Some of the projector or the sound's not gonna work, and, uh-huh. and it's just like they're, they're always an anxiety-provoking thing. But always, usually, when you do them, even if they go bad, there's like a, a sense of going through something, which is yeah. quite nice. So I think. Michael with mechanisms. I don't know whether this is is what people is the right advice, but I always just sort of push through whether mm-hmm. that's a coping mechanism or not I'm not sure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but is that's because you know that at the end of it you'll have done a gig that's yeah you've performed in front of a live yeah. audience you've that is an achievement unto itself yes yeah I think I think I am a glutton for punishment and I, I I do maybe and maybe I should learn how to give myself a rest sometimes but I think I do just I'm like don't like to to to, to let it Get on top, really, yep. and mm-hmm. I, but, I, but but maybe even in pushing through, it is getting on top. Do you see what I mean? It's it's a hard dichotomy to sort of yeah. manage, but uh, but yeah, I always just sort of never let it uh, win in a way. Mm-hmm. Do you but keep... I'm not sure whether that's a coping mechanism. Well, that's particularly healthy. Well, I'm not sure. It's just keeping yourself busy, isn't it? Which yes. is keeping your mind active, which yes. is keeping your mind away from certain things. Yes. But as long as yes. it's active, it's still yeah. working. Yes, the absolutely. amount of times I've been like. I, can't, I just feel so shit, I can't do this gig, I'm going to cancel, and then I check the fee, and I'm like, I'm going to do the gig. I'll just soldier on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, uh, it's an interesting one. Yeah, I, I used to exercise, and I still do quite a bit, but not as much as I used to, obsessively exercise to sort of get rid of the monkey thing. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of what Monkey See Monkey Do was mm-hmm. about, especially after all that stuff had gone down. 
I would run uh, so sort of a, often and, and obsessively. Uh-huh. Like, uh, and I, I just remember that being really, uh, being really helpful, but then almost becoming a sort of problem in itself. Yeah. Right. See what I mean? And you can do that. You can find a coping mechanism, and I think that's the problem with anxiety. Sometimes you can find a coping mechanism, and then you, you, you get almost the, weaponize the coping, it against yourself. You can weaponize yourself. it against yourself. <laughs> I, I need to be doing that, or it didn't work, and why is it not working? Mm-hmm. And, and it can sort of, it can sort of be qu- kind of tricky re- in a way. And I, I remember doing that transcendental meditation thing, and sort of like. If you skip some so mornings, you have to skip it. You, I don't know. You got a flight at six a.m. or mm-hmm. whatever. You can, but then you skip it. You just convince yourself it's going to be an awful day because you haven't done it, yeah. and you start to put so much meaning onto it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's they're, they're tricky. They're tricky those mm-hmm. things. What do you think are the biggest obstacles when it comes to men opening up about their feelings? Oh, I think there's various things now in a way i think i think it's uh i think issues of masculinity are a massive part of it mm-hmm. i think still we we have the overhang of the sort of uh british stiff upper lipness yeah. post-war britain sort of uh men are men you know men are the providers which isn't the case anymore but that that's still overhang yeah. of the generation above and particularly the generation above that definitely uh who who think that men should be like sort of providers and you know, even back at school, you know, it was um, was it James rescued the princess up the. Do you see what I mean? Uh-huh. Even even when it's built in from a yeah. young age that feel like you have to be the strong ones. Yes, and, and uh-huh. you're the heroes and, and 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 that. And I think this dialogue now is, is shifting in a way which is good. Uh, there is also a dialogue that's obviously emerging that that, that is saying that 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 is slightly anti male at the moment. I think a lot of it comes from a, a very real and, and truthful place, and I think that, that there is a. Mm-hmm innate privilege and that's a real thing i also think that there is a danger in saying that a man's story is invalid because he is a man and i think uh, and and that that is the part of this debate and i think the debate's a good thing and it only can lead to better things but Mm -hmm. i think that part of the debate where you sort of start to negate someone's story based on 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 a privilege that is there Uh can be kind of dangerous because i think you're again telling men that they have no right to express their feelings and i think that and that is the only thing about this debate that makes me slightly worried because there is the, the the man's capacity to repress himself is is unbelievable. Yeah, that can only only lead to mm-hmm. negative things, uh, and of course, as men are victims of men as well, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and society, and 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 it's not exclusively men, but but men are victims of masculinity as well, and so I I, I would hate to think that. And I think there are men who are like, well, I better not speak about this now. This isn't my time to speak, uh-huh. and I think that that is quite a. That can be quite a dangerous thing oh, because definitely. I think everyone's story is valid still, even though all these yeah. conversations are happening are very important. I, I do think that, that that is a part of it that I wouldn't I wouldn't want it to lead to a cycle that perpetuates itself again yeah. where men don't feel like they can speak. Because that's the thing. I'm, 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 I don't want to shock you guys, but I'm not a man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the way that I see it is that obviously not, not all men, but some men feel like they don't want to speak up in case they get chastised by women for being like... This is this is our stories. This is, and I think they're sort of then holding it in because they're like, oh well, I, I don't want to be like shouted at or, or told that I'm inappropriate for bringing this up, or I don't want to be made to feel like I'm sort of taking something away from. Because obviously the Me Too movement was so female orientated. I feel like some people are like, oh well, I don't want people to feel like I'm taking it away from women, and I think it's so important to keep men included in this loop so they totally get that their stories are valid. 
nothing. Lad, lads can be a princess too. You don't always have to rescue. Be a bloody princess. It's well nice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Sit and be rescued. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's amazing, lads. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, absolutely. I, I have a friend who phoned me up the other day. I won't say his name because he probably won't appreciate it, but he uh, phoned me up and he was like, oh, I'm going to do an Edinburgh show and I'm going to talk about this. And he's, by all accounts, had an extremely difficult life. Mm-hmm. And he was like, is there any point in me doing this? I was like, well, it sounds like a very strong, interesting story. I was like, well, what's the reticence? Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, I just worry people are just going to be that old white man talking about his problems. Yeah. And I was like... They're still problems. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, you know, so you do see that it, p- people are starting to repress themselves again Definitely. in a way. But, uh, you like, know. No one's going to take me seriously if I voice my problems just because I happen to be a white man. Like, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm worried I'm getting too 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 political because I think this, you know, any conversation that happens on a gra- massive scale is, mm-hmm. is, is happening for a reason. Do you see what I mean? And that, that's the Me Too movement and all this conversation is happening for a reason. It's valid. It's there. It's all. It's all. It's all a great thing that's happening. Uh, you know, if I if I try to start a movement where you know we could, we should all eat our own feces, it wouldn't get very far <laughs> because there's no truth in it. Do you see what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, so I understand that, and I just I just think on on a, just a slight personal level, I would hate to have gone through what I went through and say all this happened now and then feel, you know, would I question whether I would have done monkey see monkey do now. Uh-huh. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. I do. I do think that uh, I. I do just. I don't know. I just don't know the answer to that question. But I, that that show saved my life without any doubt. Mm-hmm. That was the thing that got me back on my feet again, and uh, to to think that someone like my friend phoning me up and saying, "I'm not going to do this show because I think yeah. people will judge me." Uh, I think that's dangerous because we could be save stopping his lifeline. Yeah. Yep. Like, do you think if you hadn't done Monkey See, Monkey Do, do you think you would have found another way to, like, sort of get that out, or do you not? I don't know. Don't know. Maybe not. I'm not sure. Like, in, I, a, in an alternate uh, universe. I tried everything. Yeah. In a way, if I look think back to that time, I tried everything. I tried the therapy stuff. I tried uh-huh. the exercise. I even tried changing my dress sense and the way I look, growing yeah. my hair. I remember just trying everything to try and... and but there was nothing... Nothing gives you the freedom of just being able to talk about something. Totally. Do you see what I mean? So I don't know what I would have done. Because yeah. um, I think going back to your earlier point, that all stories are valid. Oh, yeah. definitely. And Absolutely. especially when you are telling your story from a personal perspective, you should scream it from the mountaintop. You, yeah. that if you yeah. are comfortable talking about your experiences, people will find that so beautifully useful. Yes, and Because yes. your story will be individualistic. Your story will be completely unique to you. Mm-hmm. But people will take moments from it and it will apply to their lives and they'll be able Definitely. to look back on that and go, that was about me, that's for me, and yeah. take those little bits of advice. Yes. And that's the best we can do in this kind of community is share our stories regardless of where we are in our lives because yes, yes. uh, it helps each other like mm-hmm. every little story is going to help somebody else every yes. time someone else speaks up someone else feels more comfortable talking about it and that is yeah. the important thing with these conversations yes yes absolutely yeah absolutely uh, sorry i made it all really serious there no, no, <laughs> no. and then we left tesco <laughs> do you have any advice to your younger self regarding your mental health i think the advice i give to my younger self is to sort of follow your instincts mm-hmm. and to uh I think there are situations where I, I I push myself against myself, against things, against I've done made myself do things that that, that didn't make me happy, mm-hmm. and I think uh, I learned to always, and I've learned the very very hard way, 
to 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 sort of listen to myself a bit more. But I think at a young age, I really pushed myself, including you know, letting some really bad people into my life. I've I've I I pushed myself too much yep. when I wasn't happy. Is basically what I'm what I'm saying. And I pushed myself to doing things mm-hmm. that I thought might get me ahead or might lead to other things, despite the fact that I knew it was making me unhappy. And I would tell myself to listen to my instincts and follow my heart a bit more. And I think, uh, and I think I'm learning to do that now. But I think I could have, I could have learned to do that sooner, and that would have been, that could have saved me a lot, of, <laughs> yeah. a lot of trouble. But uh, but anyway, you live and you learn, and uh, you know, life happens in the way that it does, and mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I'm trying to end on a positive no. note. Oh, well, you, know, that was had, a beautiful note to end on. If you had listened to yourself sooner, you would not have so much monkey memorabilia. So I know, I yeah. know. There you've you go. Got, you've got some good mugs <laughs> out of it. <laughs> We hope you can take something from this podcast away with you in your day-to-day life. Whatever situation you're in, you're not by yourself. We can share our stories, share our experiences. We can help each other know that things do get better. And that was episode 14. Yep, it's me doing the outro. I'm back under my blanket. I went to the pub. Thought that was me done for the day. Aaron asked me to record the outro. So now I'm back under my blanket, but this time with more alcohol in my system and also no one knows to go off as what to include in the outro going in blind here so i guess just say thank you very much to richard he was incredible wasn't he what a wonderful guest thank you very much for being so open and coming on our little podcast please make sure you go see his show if you can baby reindeer at the edinburgh fringe thank you very much to aaron for making me sit under a blanket and record outros and intros and for being a fantastic co-host and thank you very much to me for just being there and a trooper thanks lauren thanks for hanging in there we'll be back next week uh, with another episode in the meantime if you could give us a nice rating a nice review give us a like a subscribe we really appreciate it thank you very much to dave and to calm oh i think i've covered it all haven't i Man, it's hot under this blanket. Like, properly. (sighs) Gonna have to go. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. 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 This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Would you give your mum, dad, aunt or that uncle who hugs your partner a little too long free access to your phone? Oh, no. Oh, my God, it's, it's a really long video. Ew. In Dave's brand new YouTube original, Get Off My Phone, we've got six comedians to give their phones over to a relative with total freedom to read messages, DMs, photos and browser history. What's your social history? Sorry? What to do? Tips for relief. <laughs> 
The rules are simple. Their relative can read anything they want and even make calls from the comedian's phone. What is this? What is I know what this one is. That, that looks really okay. bad. Starring Tanya Moore, Anya Magliano, Finlay Christie, Travis J with his mum, Andy Lamar, Hayley Morris, Grace Campbell and dad, Alistair Campbell. Slightly sexually compromising people. <laughs> Divulging their deepest digital secrets. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Get off my phone, a Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel.